Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Stay Curious. It's the first Stay Curious of the new world. We are no longer in the world that once was. We are in the world that is now. Where a time post-current. does not exist. Where time does not exist. We couldn't tell you when we're recording or when this is coming out, but we're here, and I am your co-host, creative director at Hill City Church, where we are not recording this episode and may not be recording any episode in the near future. My name is Matt Fisher, and I'm here with my co-host, pastor, survivor, uh, guy sitting in his kitchen, living room, or bedroom. I can't tell right now. I'm here with John Wagler. John, what's going on, man? In the living room. um, I've just been walking around with a portable speaker with I'm a Survivor playing (laughs) for days now. So (laughs) so we're good. I'm not going to say that I still remember the choreography to that song, (laughs) but... I still remember the choreography <laughs> to at least the chorus of Destiny's Child, Destiny's Child's hit Survivor. Yeah. By the way, I'm so thankful that we didn't do an episode on this right away. Because yeah. like, everything is changing like daily, it feels like. And we might have said some really dumb things. <laughs> we we may have said some really dumb things on one of the masculinity episodes recorded previous, and I may have had to cut some of it out. <laughs> Um, so we are recording remotely. I am at my house and John is at his house. So we ask in advance that if there are any, um, production hiccups, just bear with us because we're trying to figure out how to do this the same as everybody else. Or is what I tell our kids, get over it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, most of you have been socializing on zoom. So the chances that you're used to lowered audio quality is pretty high. high. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we are um, finally going to jump into this coronavirus thing. Um, we are still sort of in the midst of the masculinity series, but we're not sure if we're going to continue that or not. Hopefully, uh, you were able to tune in for our talk with Manny Pena last week and um, Darren Patrick the week before that. Um, we got some good comments so far and some emails and things. Um, so we appreciate that. Thanks, everybody. Um, but right now, we're going to take a pause on what it means to be a man, and talk about what it means to be a human in the midst of global pandemic. (laughs) 2020. 2020. Um, So yeah, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I don't need to recount what's going on because you literally, it's even if you're living under a rock, you know what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Um, It's been massive social upheaval all over the place. Everyone's trying to learn how to adapt and, and live in this new world. And yeah, we're just going to kind of catch up and and talk about what it's like for for us and for our community here and and sort of maybe steps for going forward. Yeah, I think it'd be good to just talk about some things we're being made aware of in the midst of this, because I think there are so many uh, different things that are coming about, whether that's, you know, some idols we might have in our lives that we, you know, never really gave any credit to. Um, maybe it's some faulty theology, um, that I'm hoping maybe all of us are dealing with (laughs) to some level. Um, I wonder, and I hope that even when you watch what's happening politically, um, on both sides that you're just, I don't know, you're becoming just more aware of kind of, I don't know, the lack of integrity and character and stuff that, you know, 
is being displayed from both sides of leadership. I think, um, I don't know, even like down to, you know, I, I read a book called the death of expertise recently. And, um, you know, this is like another example. I mean, think about how many stories and listen, I have done this too. Um, so this is not an indictment on anyone. Even this is, even this is just me exposing me. That's okay. But, um, you know, how many times we've said something like, you know, I heard, or I read this and I think I heard someone say, or it's like so far removed from an actual source or an expert source or, and we just are doing it. And I get it. It's just conversation and everything too, but it just, it should make us aware of the value of expertise, I think through all of this and not just simply resting on our limited knowledge just because we read Twitter <laughs> or something. Yeah, I think also, you know, um, it is a good wake-up call for us um, that there's this general feeling, I, I think, in a certain sort of class of Western person where no matter how terrible the terrible thing is, it's not going to happen to you. Yeah. Um, I think there, in a weird way, stuff like Twitter and like the 24-hour news cycle both sensitizes us and desensitizes us. So it lets us know everything that's going on everywhere. Um, when, when, you know, before mass media, we just sort of lived in ignorance to like, you know, machete raids in, in Africa or um, uh, tsunamis in, in other countries. Now we know all the things that are happening. Um, but also we're sort of desensitized to all the things that are happening. And now it's like, no, this is everywhere. Like, no, this is happening to you right now. Even 9-11, which felt so close to home and is the other sort of gigantic thing from my lifetime anyway, it's still, I can remember being in Florida and just feeling like, well, I'm safe. Like there's nothing here for people. You know, they don't want to, the, the, the terrorists don't want to bomb anything, maybe Disney World, but I'm an hour from Disney World. You know, like <laughs> there's always that feeling of like, but I'm OK, but I'm OK. And now it's kind of like, but maybe you're OK, but you're not like somehow far away from it anymore. Yeah. What do you think for you personally? If maybe we could just have like a talk about this kind of practically and then maybe some theological stuff at the end. But for you personally, what do you see practically being revealed, whether that's, you know, on what you are talking about, maybe you and Jenny are talking about, or just what you're seeing just kind of culturally, what are some things that are sticking out to you? Um, that's a good question. I think definitely, uh, we've seen, um, I think Jenny and I have always been pretty good about um, judging others um, and ourselves avoiding judgment from others in a lot of ways. And I think that this is for the first, this has really felt like the first time we've felt sort of like the sting of judgment for how we're dealing with it from like neighbors and friends. And so it's kind of been a good experience to remember what it feels like to be harshly judged so that we will in turn not want to inflict that on other people. Now I think that obviously people who are like partying on the beach and not being careful need very strong communication of you can't do this. 
but just like the little squabbles of like who gets to ride their bike where and these kids are hanging out but then these kids in the neighborhood are like being more you know like choosing more so like more strong social distancing um and just some of the sort of like interpersonal stuff that's been going on there has been very enlightening i think for us Mm. um and also being it's I think it's humbled us to where maybe we were letting the kids like play on the trampoline up until a couple weeks ago. And we were like, had this very standoffish, like, Oh, you know, like you can't tell us what to do. And now we're kind of like, maybe some of our neighbors were right. And we should have cut it off earlier. And just like being willing to admit that rather than like doubling down on, on a way that we weren't careful enough. Yeah. I think that's a big one is just this, there's a very humble, everything about this is humbling. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, What about, yeah. What about you guys? Like what's something that the, that either you specifically or, or your family or just like, or society around you is learning from this? Yeah. You know, I think for us as a family, it's been, um, you know, our pace hasn't really slowed down that much, you know, and you know, that part just, trying to reinvent church on the fly and all of that and um, trying to juggle a bunch of different things. But it, but it really does make you hit pause for a second and begin to see what's important, you know, like, and, and even I'll just use a church level. Like, you know, we put so much into Sundays and, and we're seeing people respond on massive levels online and zoom communities and everything else. And, and, you know, not that, listen, I think this reveals how important Sundays are just gathering together, you know, and being around people. Um, but it also has enlightened us to some things just kind of culturally within our church that I think we have to invest more in. I think as a family, we're looking at, um, you know, it's, it's been cool, like having more time with the kids and doing different things with the kids and long walks and, you know, really concentrating on those things. Uh, it's been humbling as parents to realize how short our annoyances, <laughs> our annoyance level is, you know, and, and listen, we, we've got great kids, love our kids. And, um, but you know, like it's more apparent, like how, you know, how often my, I have a lack of patience, you know, and, um, how easily I can get annoyed if I'm trying to get something done. And, and that's like super humbling. Cause like, I've, I don't, I mean, it's, I mean, theologically speaking, it's, it's a, it's really a revelation of maybe the spirit not working in me at the depth that it should be, you know? And so that's super humbling on a personal level. And, um, I would say if I'm looking out kind of collectively at who we are as a country, I would say this is the greatest example of how individualistic we are. You know, yeah. like when you're when you're not willing to make some adjustments because it doesn't because it, it's not that convenient for you that or like, you know, don't tell me what to do or whatever. You know, it just shows how individualistic we all can be and how hurtful that is to the greater to people at large, you know, and that's our culture. Yeah, and, I, and I'm at fault in that too. So it's not even like that's our. I, I'm I'm an offender of that. Yeah, it's really, um, it really kind of feels like, and again, theologically, I'm not sure that I'm ready to say like God did this. You know, that's sure. that's weird. Yeah, but yeah. it does feel like I don't know if it's just creation reaching out or just 
it's been it's time for this, but it feels like we're being put in timeout. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, and again, yeah, I, it's like, yeah. I don't know if theologically I'm ready to say like God is putting us in timeout, but the way that nature cycles, you know, I grew up in a place with a lot of hurricanes. So that is a big thing there is that like it makes you super aware of nature's ability to put you in the corner every once in a while. Yeah. Um, and it really feels like we are being forced by this as a people and individually to finally face even more so than with guns, even more so than with terrorism, even more so than with like stuff like the AIDS epidemic, you know, uh, what else? What are big cultural, any big cultural thing, nine yeah. 11 yeah. economic collapse, even more so than all of these big cultural things, war, world war two, whatever we're more than ever being, it feels like we're being forced to face our very specific problems, issues that we are ignoring. Yeah. Indi- like rugged, like rampant, rugged individualism, um, denial of, um, preparing for the future, denial of science and facts, like you were saying, that sort of death of expertise thing. Um, denial of the idea that if bad decisions get made up at the top, they can quickly trickle down to sure. every to everyone, no matter like you know a, a pandemic knows no age, race, uh, economic status, religious affiliation. It really, and for me personally, I um, am a. It's really made me face my like toxic, rebellious attitude because I was like, I should be the person who's compassionate about other people. And I generally am whenever we talk about, again, the economy or immigration or guns or healthcare. I'm always the least of these guy. But then when it came to like, hey, you need to stay inside. I'm like, you can't tell me what to do. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was my that was my gut reaction. Now, Jenny and I obviously have not like perpetrated any of these insane like taking all the kids to Target or like or, you know, just like blatantly. But my heart is still very much like rebel. Like I want to push back. That's my that's my resting state. Yeah. Even when I know it's what's right. I don't want somebody to tell me what to do. Right. And I've really had to reconcile with that through this whole thing. I just keep wanting to say to you that nobody puts baby in a corner. Nobody <laughs> puts baby in the corner. <laughs> but, you know, I think one of the things, too, that I have just been seeing throughout all of this that I just find I, life is complicated. Like everything's complicated. Like I think we've, <laughs> we've got to really like back off some of this. St- you know, we get so amped up on whatever the topic is that we, you know, can get amped up on. And I understand it, but it's, man, stuff is just complicated, right? Like you have, you have experts on this thing that disagree with each other. You know, you've got, you know, um, uh, you know, the, the, this, when you're looking at people like, are like, uh, China sucks and da, 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 da. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? Like they, like I was reading some today from someone who's Chinese and was over there and her dad still lives over there. And like the top line of her essay was just like people in China wear masks to protect other people. Americans wear masks to protect themselves, mm. you know? Ooh, and so, um, so like there's a reality that I think is being exposed and some stuff is just so dang complicated. So you take, 
um, you know, people are like, flatten the curve, don't flatten the curve. And it's like some of it's complicated. What does it work out? Like this physical distancing and all that other stuff. It's complicated. What extent that looks like. Everything's just complicated. Even like seeing people um, like going through and talking about life. You got some people were just like being like, you know what? I'm 72 years old. I'd rather see the economy not tank. I'll protect myself. I would, you know, like having that kind of mindset and, and you, and I sat there and I heard, and one of them was a congressman and I was listening to him talk and I've heard some other folks that are of that age say something similar. And there's a part of me that's like, man, that sounds stupid. But then I'm like, but honestly, part of it's kind of like endearing that they're talking about their grandkids like that, that they don't want to see them (laughs) suffer. And then, and then some of it's like, but I don't want that like that's not very pro-life of us to like then be like, go ahead and like let old people die, you know, whatever. And so that I think like there's so many things that are, are complicated. And I think some of that's being exposed, like even to the level, you know, um, I don't, I'm, I don't mean to make this, a, I'm not intentionally making this about abortion or anything like that. But like I was reading an article in the New York Times where they were talking about this woman who was pregnant and, um, and there were a bunch of, uh, this one writer has been like, let's talk about pro life or pro abortion stuff before. And we're talking about the, um, the, uh, the woman being pregnant and then the life of the baby and to protect that during, cause she had, she had Corona. And so I was like, man, it's like interesting. Even like the language shifted, like seeing that as like life. Like, so it just, it, I don't know. There's like so many things that make this complicated, even for me personally. And you know, this part, Matt, but in scenarios like this, I'm always going to underreact. <laughs> that right. is my that's my default position and so even like today i was sent an article by a friend who was talking about these projections of what's going to happen in virginia and 2000 deaths and probably 180 to 200,000 cases is like the projected by august and so it sounds like a lot on the front end but you know the math would say that amount of deaths and i'm not minimizing it but it's like that's only 0.03% of the entire state of virginia so 99.97% of people are not going to die. And then when you look at the cases, it's, it's only about 1.4% of people, you know, as if, if the projections were true and they try to overdo the projections based on what we're doing right now. Right. Like, so my, my brain, my logical brain says, well, I don't live my life in any other fashion based off of 1%. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, um, but then I'm like battling internally about this, like, but man, these are experts. <laughs> like I've got to listen to that. So I don't know. There's just stuff just comp. It's more complicated. Yeah, and I think, too, we have to struggle with, like, you know, calling yourself pro-life, and now you're being faced with what, like, here's an exact number, 2,000 lives. What, yeah. What's it to you? You know, yep. like, if we're as Christians going to be, um, going to, cons- you know, say that life comes before everything, then it doesn't matter what the percentages are, because we know for a fact that it's going to be some lives. Yeah. And I think also it's really exposed in us as a culture, this idea that money and the economy is just more of a focus for us than human well-being. Yeah. 
I mean, we knew that before, but now it's like sort of undeniable. It's like I saw somebody tweeted the other day. It was really funny, but it made a great point. And it was like in parentheses, it says a meteor hurdles toward Earth. And then it was like dinosaurs. Oh, no, the economy. (laughs) uh, But don't you think, wouldn't you say, though, that's complicated, though, too? Because like if the economy tanks, more people will die from the economy tanking than the virus. I guess. I'm just saying it. but like if the world, if the global economy just went down the, the dra- I almost cussed there, went down the drain <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, like more people would die from that. Yeah. But is what is the system that we have set up the best way to prop up that economy? I don't, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like it's so complicated yeah. even when we're talking that, that discussion. It's definitely not simple, but I also think that to push back on that a little bit, there's also the it's complicated thing is a really frequent smokescreen that's thrown up by people who are only interested in keeping the wealthy wealthy and not caring about what happens to the rest of us. Like, well, it's complicated. Like, global economics is complicated. And I'm like, I get it, but like, explain to me the complicated nuances right now explain to me the complicated nuances of trillions of 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 this bailout and how it's divvied up and why every other first world nation is getting like three thousand dollars a month in aid to their adults and we're getting one twelve hundred dollar check to each adult yeah. Like somebody can get up in a TED talk and in 20 minutes explain to me string theory or quantum mechanics to at least a level that I can like start thinking about it. And so it's like, you're right. I'm not saying it's not complicated, but I'm just, and obviously I know you would never use it as a smoke screen to, cause sure. just, yeah. you don't, <laughs> you don't have those uh, assets to, pers- <laughs> to protect. <laughs> but I think that it's worth acknowledging that that is a common, I've noticed that that is a common smoke screen for people of like the it's complicated thing you know it's like well so we're talking about you know like we obviously we had our first really strong like democratic socialist running uh this year and so it's like well this is what it'll cost to get universal health care where are we going to get the money and then overnight we suddenly have two trillion dollars to shill out to like airlines and all of this other stuff i know it's complicated but it's also like but at what point does it stop being about the complication and start being about us facing our um, prioritization of the economy and money over the prior- prioritization of the least of these? Because South Korea, you know, <laughs> like yeah. there, there are other places in the world that we would look down on in most instances that have done a much better job of this thing than we have. Sure. It's like, what are we doing to learn from them rather than just say things like, oh, well, they didn't report all their cases. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I hear you. Um, and then it comes to like the, what it's exposing in us too. Like there, I think the general nationalistic pride that we think America is the best at everything is being exposed because we're not and we're not invincible and we do have major holes in our healthcare. We we have major holes in how we handle crisis. Clearly, we have um, major holes in leadership in our country. We've got, I mean, like major gaping holes. And and what other, whether it's Canada doing the three thousand a month, though, I've you know read a little bit about that. Not enough to even be remotely an expert on. But like, you know, 
we don't know what that's going to look like a few months from now and all that too. But like, there's, I don't know, like I, to me, when we talk about the complication of things, I think my perspective is it's to me, it's exposing honestly, maybe how complicated we've made things and how hurtful that is, you know? And so um, to your point of saying like, well, yeah, if someone would just break this down, where do we get two trillion? And, and the and the answer is, you know what? We just kind of came up with the number. <laughs> we don't have yeah. the money. Then just like, just say that. Cause like, yeah. you know, but we just make everything. I, I think my point of saying it's complicated. I understand what you're saying that people will fleece it that way. Cause that's the easiest way to not have to be honest or transparent. But it's like, to me on the end of like, it, it makes things complicated is like one, I think we've set it up that way because to your point, um, to make things complicated means it's way easier to manipulate. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And so that's, I mean, that's our whole entire political system right now, you know, is it's just one big manipulation process. And then, um, and then I think when you look at who we are culturally, it's like, man, like we've all formed, I mean, I'm, you know, you watch, you do this too. Like you read comments on Twitter just for, I don't know, you're boredom, whatever. Because <laughs> like, I hate myself. <laughs> I know. But like you see people pop off against like, I saw um, uh, Mitt Romney post how he lost one of his friends, you know, um, died from COVID. And, and like, and I watched on his Twitter feed, like person after person after person just saying like, F you, this is what you deserve. You co- you conservative prick, you know, mm-hmm. and like going through all this stuff. And I'm like, man, yeah. like, this is Anyway, it's just exposing yeah. a lot of things that make, like, I think when someone's like, all we need is a good leader or all we, I'm like, ah, no. <laughs> maybe I'll have you more know, than that. <laughs> I think one thing it's really like brought into clarity for me is the absolute uselessness um, of certain types of like internet shouting, like all caps tweeting. Yeah. Um, because it's like, I just keep saying to people who are just like screaming themselves blue in the face for you know, people to stay home. I'm just like, yo, those people are not reading your Twitter. Also, (laughs) you're talking about a country who can turn on the news at night. You're talking about a people. So if you see us as a people, right, as the American people, you're talking about a people who can turn on the news at night and see children getting mowed down in their classroom and still be like, well, that's not my problem. Right. (laughs) yeah yeah So it's like do you really think that if they won't give up their like machine gun that they're gonna stay inside and not go to their 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 james river like beach party no (laughs) but that was a problem we've had for a while (laughs) like this is not a new problem and also yelling about it on twitter is not going to make it any better yeah (laughs) like you are wasting valuable time and energy by screaming at people on twitter it's also really like clarified for me because I I I think that I made it a point to not like I don't I didn't watch the State of the Union I like don't engage with a lot I don't follow President Trump on Twitter because I just feel like it's all you're doing is looking for something at some point it's like no secret that I don't agree with the dude why am I going to follow him on Twitter and it's really taught me that like he is the way he is and like leadership is the way it is right now and I get it And it's frustrating for me, too, sometimes. But, like, people really love to, like, hate it. Love it. (laughs) 
Like yeah. when I, I've watched that man talk more in the last two weeks than I have during his whole presidency. And then I see everybody like going online and picking apart everything he said and being like, oh, just so you know, the president just said this. And I'm just like, he, now that I've watched him speak a little bit, my response is like, yeah, that's how he is. <laughs> like, and I'm not saying that's good, but like. He's always been that way. He was yeah. that way when I used to watch him on wrestling, which is a thing that happened. <laughs> like right, it's yeah. you're just looking for something to be upset about because he's just like that. <laughs> like yeah. that is Yeah, we have such a massive culture of hatred and anger that um I think is blatantly getting exposed during this time. And you see it leading up to this, but it's I think it's even like more so now where you're just like, man, like we really don't value life. And we don't value people's lives. We don't value um, other people like in general. Like I just, it, it also shows honestly, like the depth of sin, <laughs> right. you know, I mean like truly when people are like, man, we don't need faith. We don't need religion. We don't need, I'm like, well, you know what? We've got a little bit of that now. And you're, you're seeing the depth of sin and how it rears its ugly head. If you want to take that away, guess what's going to happen? It ain't going to get better. And so I, I don't know. Like, I just think that there's um, so much being exposed. And I think for all of us, we would be remiss not to take this time to really value what's being exposed in us as an individual and um, even writing it down or to keeping track or, you know, we've all had last, you know, last week, you probably had some thoughts in your head of like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Well, how's that working out this week? (laughs) You know? And like, and so allowing some things to really come to the forefront. And cause the truth is, is like, if we really want to see like anything change out of this, we, we, it has to happen in each one of us individually first. Cause it's sure as heck not going to happen corporately. Yeah. You know, it's got to just happen individual first. Yeah. And I think a big takeaway for me from this whole thing, no matter how long it ends up lasting and how bad it gets is I think it's a great time for people to confront Either their con, their um, like you were saying, underreactions to things. Like, are you conflict avoidant? Are you, you know, like, are you the person who's just like, I'm fine. I don't know anybody who's sick, so I'm gonna go to this house party or whatever, and confront that because now it's a very, it has a very real and direct consequence to everyone, like to mm-hmm. the people around you. But it's also a time for people. And this is for me being on the more cynical side. So my my uh, my rainy day brothers and sisters out there it's a time for us to confront our deep cynicism because i've said it before and i will say it again on this podcast some of us are not being careful enough right now some of us are are being responsible and some of us are just low-key wallering in the fact that the physical world now matches our sad alarmist cynic cynical little interior world like I've just seen people low key loving it, yeah. loving that. See, things are as bad as I said they were, <laughs> and it's like, you know what? Even if you were right, are you that happy that you were? Like, if you're the kind of person who prepares for, um, like a terrible accident, and then that accident finally happens, are you like prancing around the funerals of the people who died, being like, I told you guys, I told you guys, yeah. Like, I, that for me, it's been a huge thing that I've had to confront myself but also just watching some people close to me who are sort of again like fellow cynics or fellow sort of like rainy day folks 
online is just like, yo, you are low key loving this. Yeah, that's and a you need to check yourself. Yeah, it's like if you've got a bunker full of toilet paper right now, and you oh, don't, yeah. and you're not trying to like help people who don't have toilet paper, like you either better be opening up your toilet for people to come poop in, or yeah. <laughs> or or being going out and being like, hey, you know what, I overdid it on yeah. this. You know, well, it just reveals something in you. Yeah, and it's also like if you're spending your whole day distributing goods and services to people who need it the most, and then you want to spend your evening yelling at people on Twitter for being on Belle Isle, like, okay. But if all you're doing is yelling at people who aren't listening to you anyway, you're not doing anything. And that extends before this and after this. Yeah, absolutely. And and I would also just say this, and we can maybe end with this part, but can you can you if you're this person with like God's judgment and wrath and thinking that it's the end of the world and this is the sign of the times can, can you please just calm down a little bit with that I um, first of all none of us know when or how or any of that's gonna happen thief in the night baby yeah and and you and I see people posting things about hey just do your research or just do this and I'm like you know what though like if you go back to when the plague happened in the early 1900s, the conversation was the exact same. This is the end of the world. This is the, you know, you go back to Y2K. It was the same thing. And all the signs were complete. And this was going to happen, oh, you know, yeah, and, and 9-11. And 9-11. So I'm like, y'all just just calm down with all of that because we don't know. We don't we don't know what God does or doesn't do, first of all, to some degree. Um, second of all. Even if we're going to go by, like, if you want to really hone down on who sent this, like, who sent this virus, I mean, it could be as simple as someone ate a bat. <laughs> okay, so, like, yeah. it could it could just be, like, that's how it all started. Um, could God have do, do something like this? I mean, sure, in theory, God can do whatever he wants, but I, I'd be hard-pressed to see God doing something that's going to really target marginalized people, because that's what it's doing right now. And then secondly, don't forget that even in scripture, um, there are there are other scriptural examples that show um, the enemy, meaning Satan or whatever, doing things. So this could very easily just be from Satan. So, you, I mean, you can make an argument of all three in this scenario, but like there, everyone just needs to calm down on the theological front with some of this stuff because nobody knows. And and, you know, like I heard a guy from Bethel, um, I, I remember when I said that out a weeks ago when he had said, yeah. don't worry, like it's taken care of and nothing's going to happen basically with this virus. And I'm like, so that's an example when people say the Lord told me, like, that's an example of a false prophet, you know? And so I just, we got to be real careful on what we're saying. The Lord tells us and God said, and look at the Bible. This is what it says is going to happen because I know there are things that seem like fit right into what's happening in our world right now. But the reality is, is people have been doing that since Jesus left. So I, I just think we just got to, everyone's got to chill out on the theological side with, with this stuff. Yeah. And, Again, we'll end on this, but to add on to that, um, this is a great time for people to think about how they think about the Bible mm -hmm. and how they think about the God that, that they claim to believe in and how he communicates. And I will say this, because a lot of this like doomsday stuff and a lot of this left behind trash is based on this view of the Bible that it's a puzzle box to be unlocked. Yeah. Does a God 
who literally manifests himself as a human being in the middle of a of a society and then very clearly tells people <laughs> love your neighbor you know things like you know, stuff like sermon on the mount yeah is this a cryptic god is this a god that is like very into coding and hiding things and stuff not to me so like just yeah chill out with that like god did not i, I just don't see any biblical evidence that the god that we worship and again it may be different for people from different backgrounds like people who are from like a hindu background that hindu got like theocratic structure in hinduism is very complicated yeah the judeo-christian god is not super into codes and code breaking and and this stuff so like with any of that stuff just think is there biblical evidence that god is giving us little puzzles to to piece together so that we can then know when the world's going to end i well, don't see evidence yeah and when it. you go down that road you sound more like you're a believer and hardcore follower of greek mythology than yes. of jesus yeah you're trying yeah. to read the bones yeah and it's like that's... even just that phrase is not a christian like not a <laughs> listen if you want to do one very christian thing during this and i really outside of loving people well if you want to do one really big Christian thing that I think the Bible points to in times like this, it's lament. That's simple. Like, like you're not going to, you're not going to thumb through scripture and find an exact reason why this happened and why it's happening now and how it happens and everything outside of seeing like, Hey, the earth is groaning and it shows the separation from what it's supposed to be. And here's what we do in those scenarios. We lament. We lament the pain that we see. We lament the heartache that it's it's causing people, the fear that's building up, the anxiety. We lament the mental health stuff that's going to be happening over the next several weeks. We lament all of these things. Like That is the right thing to do in the midst of this, not be like, hey, turn to Revelation 7 and, you know, like talk about why we've got six months to go. You know, like that's, you know, if we do have six months to go, okay, cool. But it, our if we've got six months left, then we love like crazy and we mourn with those who mourn. Like that's, yeah. that's what we do, you know? And so um, that would be my suggestion like during a time like this is just to be careful what you're doing theologically. For sure. Absolutely. Well, I'm sure there'll be plenty of talk about this um, as we move forward. You all, thanks so much for joining us. Um, we hope that you are staying healthy that you are staying sane and that you are um, using this time to um, slow down, uh, hopefully, as best you can. Um, be with your families, uh, Zoom call with your friends, uh, learn um, how best to love your roommates. Um, and uh, that at the end of this, like at the end of any good timeout, we, we come through not more petulant children, but um, kids that learn something. Um, if you want to reach out with quips, quam, comments, quotes, or questions, you can email us at staycurious at hillcityrva.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at staycuriouspod. Um, that's instagram.com slash staycuriouspod or on the bad website Twitter at staycuriouscast. Um, thanks again to everyone for tuning in, and we will see you all next week. Thank you.